Welcome back. You are listening to Podcast Handstand, the gymnastics podcast solely dedicated to the recreational gymnastics world. And I am your host, JR. And this week we have a really special episode. I want to introduce the guest for the day. His name is Sean Hall. He works with Special Ed with the LA Unified School District, and he is also my husband. Welcome, Sean, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about how we can integrate kids with special needs into our gymnastics classes. And the reason I have Sean here today is because this is his specialty. So, Sean, will you please tell all of our listeners what you do for a living? Uh, I am... First and foremost, an advocate for kids with special needs. Uh, I work as an educator. My position is called a program specialist, but outside of my school district, that doesn't mean much to most people. So uh, I have been an educator for almost 30 years, exclusively working with uh, kids with special needs. Um, My job now has more to do with supporting the teachers that teach those kids and uh, acting as a mentor and a coach. That's great because today's episode hopefully will help to support gymnastics coaches and how we can work with kids with special needs. And then I just want to make it clear that today when we talk about kids with special needs, we're specifically talking about kids with learning disabilities, including processing disorders and ADHD, as well as autism. Did I get that correct? Uh, mostly kids with what we call mild to moderate disabilities. So uh, the impact of their disability uh, isn't so overwhelmingly significant, but that they do have specific needs and we can always provide more support to help them. That's right. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners why it's important that we try as best we can to include kids with special needs into our regular gymnastics classes? Um, I think, uh, you know, hopefully the world has become a little bit more of an inclusive place. So building uh, those opportunities for kids with disabilities and without disabilities um, to be together, um, play together, compete together, uh, communicate together um, are all opportunities that will help make them uh, more successful adults and actually make you feel good about doing it, I think. That's the most important thing. I love the inclusion part. That's great. So let's talk about a couple different scenarios. When we have kids come into our classes, we usually see one of two different scenarios that plays out. When working with kids with special needs, we have either a child that's come in and the parent has talked to the front desk and let the gym know and the gym can let the coach know that the child has special needs. And as a result, we can communicate with the parent and we can get additional information on how the parents have worked well with different situations that could come up in gymnastics class. And it really does set the coach up for success because the more that the coach knows about the child and the disability, the better prepared they can be. That's a perfect situation. But More often than not, I find that parents don't always disclose that their child may have an issue, and it creates a less than ideal situation for a coach, especially a coach who's not trained to work with special needs. So, Sean, what's an example? So, Sean, what's a suggestion that you could give 
coaches if they suspect that a child has a disability, but a parent has not disclosed that? How could they approach a parent and get additional information? I would take a step back for just a minute and and try to remember that having a, a child with a disability is, as anyone could imagine, extremely challenging. Uh, your coaches and I are fortunate enough to go home at the end of the day and leave that behind where a parent has to think about it 24 hours a day. Uh, it can be extremely stressful. It can be um, just difficult for them uh, to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And maybe sometimes that also causes them not to be so forthcoming with information. So um, it's a delicate situation. So my first piece of advice would be for you to handle it as delicately as you can. So the first thing, though, is to remember that they are parents and you would talk to them like any other parent. So build relationships with them, say hello to them, be welcoming to them, ask them questions about their other family members, how they're doing, um, express that you're happy to see them, that you're happy to have them there. Um, all of the things that I would hope that you normally would do, but don't do it any more or any less, but treat them in the same way that you would treat uh, any any um, client, any family. Um, then if you're going to talk about maybe some things that you've noticed during class or do- during um, a team um, practice or something like that, focus on what you noticed rather than focusing on how much is driving you crazy or how uh, it's impacting the kids around this child or some of the challenges themselves. Um, If you can sort of depersonalize it and keep you out of it and just state the fact sort of like you were a police officer almost, um, it's just more observational and that could open the conversation in a different way. Um, because then the parent's not going to feel like they're being attacked or that you're attacking the child, I think. Um, Don't forget to express that you want to see the kid uh, succeed. That's what you're there to do, right? Your hope is that every child is successful or or as successful as they can be. Um, And find out from the parent, why did they enroll the child? What is it that they hope to... um, what they hope to see, what they hope that the child able to accomplish uh, within um, the coaching sessions, within the experience, and and go from there. Uh, and then once you sort of develop that kind of rapport, I think it's a good place to open the door to ask them and say, look, I'm really struggling with this particular behavior, or I noticed that uh, JR is having difficulty with whatever it is, do you have anything that works for you at home yes. or when you're out in the public space? What are some things, some strategies that you as a parent use that we might be able to build into what we do here? I love I everything you it. said. I think that everything that you just stated are things that we've talked about before. What a good coach should be doing, building a rapport and a relationship with the entire family. But specifically in this situation, making sure that you let the family know that you want their child there. It can be frustrating when there's a behavioral issue, but letting the parent know 
that, hey, I want this child to succeed. I want them in my class. Help me out. I feel like that goes a long way. So I'm glad that you are reinforcing that. I think that the parents are looking for similar things that all parents are looking for, and they want their child um, to build a healthy body. They want them to build interpersonal relationships with sure. other kids. They they want them to be part of a team. They want them to have those same opportunities. And if we go back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago, that's in my mind, that's what inclusion is really all about. And um, the students with the challenges will um, grow and prosper and the kids that are involved with them will also build skills that that people weren't expecting them to build. I agree. And then in classes, normally when we're working with kids with special needs, we'll see specific behaviors like it's difficult for them to follow instructions or they get distracted easily. They can get maybe a higher frustration level and there's more emotion from that experience. So what are some strategies that coaches could use to successfully lead children with special needs in your class? So um, if we first start with, for example, talking about just giving directions, I think how you give a direction uh, is really important. It may be that you need to slow down. It may need, may mean, excuse me, that you need to break the direction down into parts. Uh, maybe you teach one part of it, model it, practice it, and then incorporate the next step. Um, you may ask kids to repeat directions back to you, uh, and and that way it gauges for you uh, what how much they really understood and were they paying attention or listening to what you said. Um, again, I would recommend that maybe you have the whole group say the directions back. Uh, so that you don't signal out, um, single out, excuse me, uh, a particular child so that they feel like, oh, no, I'm the one that's in trouble. And that's why he's checking on me or right. or that, you know, little little Susie is the one that constantly has to tell the directions over again because she's the one that never understands the direction. That's not what we want to do at all. But um, I think the the group thing will kind of work. I know that you as a coach model all the time. I've seen you do it. You might have to do more of that where the yeah. adult or the coach is modeling first, then the group does it as a group, and then individually kids do it. Um, anytime that you can use visuals, I would say, to use with your directions, um, it could be how you use signs uh, at certain stations. It might be. Um, with preschoolers, I've seen you do it, so I know that you do, but there might be uh, a line taped to the floor that they follow. Yeah. It may be little footprints. Uh, it may be an arrow that says, go this way next, or whatever it might be. Uh, and it may be a schedule of some kind, so they know first we do this, second we do this with some kind of a picture. Oh, you were talking about if someone has frustration issues, right? Yeah. Uh, or maybe a low frustration tolerance. Um, I think creating a space where they feel welcome is the first step, but you also might need a, a separate kind of space where, uh, I just need space to be away from the group for a minute or sure. an alternate activity for them to do until they're ready to come back, uh, and be refocused and, and ready to take in 
the direction or start fresh. I like the option of an alternative activity, which is is a little different than I think traditionally what we're used to doing in gymnastics class. I think coaches in general, especially those who have come from gymnastics, they were an athlete and now they're a coach. It is out of the ordinary that we would have our regular circuit, but then provide something additional in case that child needs that because it's it is important that they break from maybe it's a station where they're moving around a lot and they're just exerting the energy that can help get them focused you know their their brain is wired a little differently than than the others and that is going to be challenging i think for new or younger coaches to wrap their head around the fact that you can actually break the norm and do something different because it's going to end up benefiting the child i want to say that we've had listeners kind of chime in on this and say that they usually will either have a second coach assisting or maybe even bring the parent out. And for me personally, I think if we could have an assistant versus a parent, I think that's a good lesson for that child because eventually they're going to be away from the parent in school and it kind of just helps set them up for that experience. Talk before about uh, an emotional check-in. Oh, yeah. So really. Especially at public schools, if the kids are going to class these days, there's a big focus on talking about um, social emotional learning and really teaching kids both how to express how they're feeling, but also take in what other people are feeling and that we all can sort of make adjustments as well. Um, I think listening to them and allowing them to to speak, but giving them opportunities in the platform and an area in which to do it is really important. Um, Everybody's mood sort of moves and changes from moment to moment. And that's what we are as human. I mean, that happens with all humans, but uh, kids that really struggle with these kinds of issues um, sometimes maybe get stuck in that space a little bit longer and that interferes with what they're able to do in class. Um, So the more you get to know uh, what their mood is. Maybe you can make adjustments when you know the kids well yes. enough. Okay, that's, that's the, a great idea. That's the time when I. That's the time when I need to give the space or offer the space. Maybe they don't want it. That's okay. Uh, and keep yourself in check too. I think yeah. we don't check in with ourselves uh, probably nearly enough, and it's really hard to be patient uh, when someone's pushing your buttons. I know that as well as anybody. But um, you are the adult in this case, and you're the person in charge and kids need you to be that person as much as you can be. Um, if you're fortunate enough to to work with a second adult or other staff members that are there at the same time and you know, I need to step away for a minute, Yeah, you tag team, right? I'd say, JR, can you just take over? I'll be back in, in two minutes sure. or I need a moment. And, and that's important too, I think. I think that in most situations, that's probably not possible being in the gymnastics world and knowing how hard it is to even staff one class but if you do have the opportunity to do that that is a great thing and i just want to take a step back to what we talked about with the emotional check-in i think that is such a clever great idea there are more talk about how we are feeling with our emotional state and 
maybe having some kind of flashcards that look like emojis. So when the kids come in and we're doing our general warm up or stretch in that five or 10 minute time, say, okay, we're going to have a check in, you know, point to the face that you feel like you're feeling today and have like, you know, a little emoji face that looks sad or happy or cheerful or shy or scared and say how you feel as well. And I think that's a great way for you automatically to know how that specific child, but all the children, I mean, Everything that you've said today really does work with every child in your class. And this is a great way to approach teaching, especially the young ones, the preschoolers, when they can't always verbalize how they're feeling, but they know what a picture looks like and they know how that matches their emotion. That is, I think, brilliant. It's such a great idea. Sometimes, so thanks for doing that. Uh, sometimes you could use colors to go with it, too. So, for example, green may be my best space, and green also means go. So, if yeah. I'm in the green, space or my green feeling then the majority of the kids we're ready to move on and we're good to go maybe a couple of kids are not in the green maybe i'm feeling a little blue or i'm feeling a little red because i'm angry uh so you make adjustments to sort of meet the need in the in that moment too i love that so much i'm going to give this a try in my kids fitness class at crossfit i think it's such a great idea uh, other great ideas we have some um, notes that I'm going to add to the show notes. And these are resources that coaches will be able to use. Sean found a couple of things that I think would be really important. We have a couple of handouts that are 11 tips on how to deal with, and then one's about anxiety, one's about sadness. And it's just uh, uh, 11 things that are listed that coaches can read and kind of just create a little bit of a resource. Well, USAG has a special needs athlete video. It's a little over an hour long and I watched it the other day and there's some great tips on working with special needs kids. And I think the more education that you give yourself, the more time you look into different ways that you approach teaching class is going to only make you a better coach. Sean, before we leave, is there been a time when you taught where you just felt like such a high frustration level, but you found a way to kind of get through it, like a tip that you could give because, and I'm saying this because I've, I've been there and you know me, I love working with the little ones and I have a really high tolerance when it comes to children and um, I don't tend to lose my cool very often at all when it comes to classes like that. But sometimes I, I have felt super overwhelmed. Is there something that you do for yourself that can help that? Besides scream, you mean, right? No screaming. So, no. <laughs> no screaming aloud, not in front of children anyway. Um, I think, well, first let me say, if you're not feeling frustrated, I would think there's something incredibly wrong with you. That's a great so, point. Um, yeah. everyone's going to run into a roadblock, a wall, um, a situation where you feel like I really can't do this right now or I'm stuck and what am I going to do with that feeling? So um, you try your best not to to let it out in front of the kids, I would say. Uh, I think one thing we didn't really talk about is that um, most times, I would say, uh, the kids with special needs, it would benefit them if the number of kids in their group was slightly smaller, possibly, uh, than than when you have a giant size group. We talked about if there is a is a way to have a second adult there 
uh, like I was talking about earlier, we tag team. Um, I rely on working with assistants many times over the years where, uh, let's say, JR is the kid that is really just getting under my skin. And so I would say to my assistant, would you just work with JR for a few minutes? I'm going to go over here and I would find something else to do. But a lot of it has more to do what you, with what you do for yourself, I think, um, outside of the class, because you can't really do much sometimes in the moment. But what are you doing to take care of you? Uh, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? Are you talking to people uh, and venting when you need to? Are you trying to listen to a show like this and find strategies uh, that might work for you that you can incorporate? Um, find people that have something in common with you, share your thoughts and your feelings. Hopefully um, you are a better, more well-adjusted person as an adult than a child would be. Uh, And, you know, do take, find that thing that works for you that you love to do uh, and find more time for it outside of the workspace. And that will keep you a little bit more level-headed, I think. I love that. It sounds like, on days that you know you have a class that is going to be challenging, regardless of who's in it, making sure that you prepare yourself for that day by getting the sleep and really just setting yourself up to know that, okay, today's the day where I have the more challenging class. And also mm-hmm. the fact that you said it's okay, almost a given that you're going to feel frustrated yourself. Maybe you feel like after the class, I didn't do as good of a job as I could have done, but that's normal. That's a normal motion, mm-hmm. I think, for the coaches to know, like, hey, to be able to have that, you you may never get to the point and probably won't or shouldn't feel like, oh, I, I hit want that out of the ballpark. There's always going to be that that after class going, okay, I could have done this. But if you're doing that and you're taking note of things that you could have possibly done to improve, you can continue to grow yourself. So that's a great point. Thank you. Make sure you're prepared. I mean, be as prepared as you possibly can with a plan. You have to have a plan, but also be prepared for that plan to go off course. So flexibility is probably the most key piece to it because you've got to be able to roll with whatever change is thrown at you sometimes too, but also be okay with that. If it didn't go exactly as planned, what can I do next time? Or maybe I need to add something or take something away, Uh, which brings me to that last piece, which uh, I know working with teachers, for me as a mentor, as a coach, it's one of the hardest pieces to teach someone, and that is to be reflective. And you've got to take the time to step back from yourself and from what you're doing, uh, time enough to really think about what went well, what didn't go well, what can I do differently, and what can I build upon that did go well. Uh, and wherever that is, if it's right after class, if it's at the end of the day, if it's at the end of the week, that's not so important as it is that you are doing it, I think. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you making the long trip from the living room to the dining room (laughs) for this episode. I hope everybody listening, you learned something new or just validated what you're currently doing. If you enjoy the show, I hope that you are sharing it with your friends. Please make sure that you are subscribing and you are rating us because the more rates we get, the more people are going to see it. Until next time, 
Have a great week and we will see you again.